What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. I'm super excited to preach the word tonight. If you've got your Bibles with you, go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Woo. Yeah, she says. She is ready for the word. Amen. John chapter 15. We're going to read verse 5, and uh, we're going to pray together, and we're going to jump into the sermon. John 5, or uh, John 15, sorry, rather, verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. One more time, because it's short and it's sweet. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Tonight, I want to preach a brief message titled, Back to Basics. Turn it over say, Back to Basics. Like you're Pentecostal and excited to be here tonight. Turn it over say, Back to Basics. <laughs> Pray with me, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to be here. God, thank you for your peace and your presence that was in the room during worship that is still here in the room now. God, I ask tonight that you will have your way. Lord, that through high fives coming in the door, that through the word, through worship, through time together, Lord, that we would encounter you. God, I ask for a legitimate encounter tonight that the hurting that have come in here, God, would find healing that the anxious would find peace. God, we thank you in advance for your word. And God, we ask that you will have your way here tonight, that you will let community and family take place tonight, and that you will transform us to look more like you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Throw a hand up in the air if you love Jesus tonight. That's so good. That's, that's just, yeah. Both hands and a foot. Show a hand for me if you've been loving Jesus a long time. Like you were one of these church babies that like you grew up here. You got spanked in these walls like you were, <laughs> you were one of the, there's a couple pastor's kids in the room that you're like, yeah, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? You've been loving Jesus a long time. When you do life with Jesus for a long time, you have these incredible, what we would call like fence post moments, these times in life where something massive happens. It's like the Dear Diary moment. Like you go home and you write down on this day, God said this, God did this, and it changed my world forever. You know what I'm talking about? You had one of those moments. If you haven't had one of those moments, brace yourself. God's got one coming for you, I promise. There are times in life where it's like he'll part the waters or there's just this, this download, this job opens. He, he brings the right spouse for you. The right things fall in place in the right time. And all the single people perked up just then. They were like, yes, God, do it, Lord. So be it, God. These fence post moments. Well, if you grew up in church, if you were one of those church kids, more than likely some of those moments happened at a youth fall retreat, at a youth camp, 
at one of those kind of moments. Some of my favorite memories and most wild memories happened at retreats. I was reminiscing this week about a buddy of mine that was real involved in youth ministry with us. And I don't know what happened. Like church culture has always honored and revered anointing oil. Anointing oil, there's tons of places in scripture about it. If there's any sick among you, bring them to the elders. They will anoint them with oil. They will be healed, right? Then you look, there's these places in the Old Testament where when they would anoint the king, they would like dump the whole thing of oil. It was like fresh anointing. It represent this whole moment. Some of y'all already know where I'm going with this. I was at a fall retreat. I was leading worship and the Holy Ghost showed up. And a buddy of mine, he, he found the bottle. I don't, we've got it laying around somewhere. I don't know where it is. And I'm like, it's one of those snotting in the altar, like, God, I want to be used by you. It's one of those beautiful moments. And all of a sudden, I just feel like everywhere. And I was conflicted. Because on one hand, like, you grow up in church, you're like, yes, God, the anointing. And then you're also kind of like, like, yeah, like, well, I, I smell like cinnamon. Like, what is, what is happening? Anointed with oil. I've mentioned it a couple times in this room of, like, um, fire tunnels. If you didn't grow up around Church of God, Pentecostal Youth Camp, you may not know about a fire tunnel. A fire tunnel was a big deal. It still is a big deal. Every once in a while, we did a retreat. Y'all, we did, this was like May. We did a fire tunnel back in May. Oh, that's crazy. And we were, we were doing this youth conference, and the way it works is you have leaders that'll come on both sides. And it, it really, it's, um, it's that same kind of practice of laying hands on people and, and seeing them receive the Holy Spirit and they move on through. So the way it would work is you'd have your leaders kind of line up on two sides and the students, the congregation would walk through. And it's a really beautiful thing because they're, they're getting prayed for kind of as they walk through. It's like a conveyor belt of prayer. It's, it's actually really fantastic. I remember being at a youth camp once and seeing that happen and it was so powerful. Students would get back in line. They'd come through and the Holy Spirit would get a hold of them and they'd lay in the floor and cry. And by the time the line would die down, I'd watch them get back up and run around and come for more. This just touch of the Holy Spirit, these moments, these encounters with the Lord I shared a couple weeks ago of being in a revival service at a church in Chattanooga and laying in the floor as, as we sang that, uh, that wrecked song, I'm ready to be wrecked, to go deeper than before. The way it's always been won't do it anymore. There's these moments, these exciting moments. That's what we live for most of the time. I kind of want to talk about the opposite tonight. Most of the time in life, we're living for the next big, exciting thing. But I firmly believe that what we need right now is the fundamentals. The problem with the basics is that it's boring. I can prove it to you. Think about testimonies when you're sitting in a church service or something and somebody's like, brother, I got a testimony. Popcorn testimony is what they used to do in the old church. And they'd come and they'd share and they'd be like, I was addicted to drugs. And I, uh, I, I OD'd and then I went to prison. And then this happened and this happened. And the whole world is like, yes, praise God. We're like prodigal son and we celebrate. And we should. This incredible, powerful, massive, exciting testimony. You know what you don't hear for Testimony Sunday? I read the Bible every day for the last three years. <laughs> think about it we live even in our testimonies for these moments that are these these massive exciting things but this week tonight I want to talk about the basics turn to your neighbor and say back to basics 
when I was younger, um, I wanted to play basketball. And uh, emphasis on the wanted part. Amen. We recently did a guy's trip with a couple of us, and I realized just how not called to basketball I, I was playing that day in my vans and like blistered feet afterwards because I'm not called to play basketball, guys. I'm not. I was a... It, it is. It was so sad, y'all. I grew up wanting to play basketball, and I was this chunky middle school kid. Y'all, my dad is a software engineer. Let that, let that settle in. My dad's a software engineer. I had no hope. I was never going to be a baller. I would go out in the driveway, all homeschooled, middle school me, and I, would, I was like playing horse with myself. It was like Dude Perfect before Dude Perfect was cool. Like, I'm standing on the corner of the porch, like, trying to get it to go in. All I would ever do was take shots that absolutely would never happen in real life. <laughs> I couldn't dribble. I could do nothing. But I could shoot the ball from weird places and weird angles. I would miss, but I could shoot it from weird places and weird angles. So now fast forward. Here I am, 28 years young. And when we go to play basketball, you know what happens? I shoot the ball from 40 feet away and I just go, like waiting to see what happens. Because all I ever cared about was shooting threes. I never even tried to dribble the ball. I never paid any attention to these, these fundamentals to actually try to get in the sport and to play the game the way that I needed to play the game. Tonight, if you'll allow me the grace to make a silly analogy, spiritually, do you practice dribbling the ball? In your, your daily life, do you practice just getting up in the morning, loving Jesus, and then going to bed and doing it again the next day? Do we practice our fundamentals? Go ahead and turn to the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. The New Testament epistles are like, I, I said it a few weeks ago, but I genuinely mean it. If there's ever been a time where like, this is what you need to read, this is what you need to read. Go home, spend your time reading these books. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians. These are books that were written to the church that had just been born. You had, these, you had multiple religious sects, but for us, you had two different sections here. You had one that would come up that was Judaism. If you were raised in Judaism, you knew the Israelite history. You knew all the things that came along with that. Well, Jesus showed up and fulfilled that, and it kind of changed the game for them. You had some people that had excitement and vision and were moving forward with this, and some people that were real taken back and didn't know what to do. Well, then you have this Gentile group that wasn't born into Judaism, that they weren't doing this whole religious Christianity thing at all. So you have two main groups now that have become Christian. They've received the grace of Jesus Christ. They've received the gospel, and now they've got to figure out how on earth to just get up on a Monday and live for Jesus. So when you read these letters in the New Testament, read them with excitement, with joy, because they're telling you what to do with your life where you are right now. How to process the craziness that's going on. And very quickly, <laughs> what happens is they're seeing the miracles, they're seeing all the exciting things take place, and they start to waver from the fundamentals. 
My note takers tonight, I want to give you three things, three back to basic fundamental things. Number one is how is your prayer life? First Thessalonians chapter five says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's so simple, but I feel like we could, we could read this scripture and we could go home. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. I love it. Let me simplify it. Let me keep it so simple for you. If you're one of those people that's in this weird situation in life, you're like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And tell me, it's basically it's everybody in the room because we're all young adults and every time you go anywhere, there's some old fart that's like, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Sorry, not sorry. I love all the old farts, but it just happens. Like that's the conversation and everybody's going, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I want to major in. I don't know how I want to handle it, but it's real. We pray and we prosper. Like, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Cheat code. You ready? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. If you're going, God, what do I do tomorrow when I get up? Give thanks. Rejoice always. Pray continually. All right, let's pray and let's get out of here. Rejoice always. This is God's will for you. Pray continuously. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Pray about everything. Be anxious about nothing. It is so sad how often I do the exact opposite. (laughs) There's a new book that just came out by Chad Veach, and I've got to get it. It's literally just called Anxious About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. What a title. What a title. He took this scripture and he flipped it. He says, don't, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How crazy is it that we can have such a simple scripture right in front of us and continuously do the exact opposite? Do you ever look at your screen time stuff on your iPhone? For those Android people, I just pray for you. But for, for Apple people, you ever look at your screen time information and you're like, wow, I spent that many hours on social media this week? I wish we could do that with our brains. I wish I could go back and go, how I spent how much time worrying about that conversation that's already happened that I can't go back and fix? How many hours did I spend thinking about that clever comeback that I didn't have in the moment that I really wish I could go back and give out? I spent how many hours laying in bed at night trying to figure out how to make money appear from nowhere? How much time did I spend worrying and freaking out? How much time did I waste? Replaying the situation in my head, the scripture is so beautiful because it's an if then. And you see these promises in scripture. We so often will look at this passage and we will pray. I'm guilty of it. We'll pray, God, thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding. And I just, I need that peace. I declare that peace. But what the scripture says is don't be anxious about anything because in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God will cover you. When you will slow down enough and stop replaying what sister so-and-so said to you and how you wish you could slap him upside the head and go back and redo what went down 
it was called, God, this is a sticky situation and I really don't know what to do with it. But thank you for the job that I have. I'm telling you, this scripture is intentional. So intentional. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. When you come before him and you're like, God, I thank you for this job that I have that makes me want to pull my hair out right now. I thank you for this family that you've given me that I'm struggling with at the moment. Thank you that I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs. Thank you for the life that I have. Thank you for where I am. What will happen is the problem gets a lot smaller and then you can lay it at the foot of the cross and actually leave it there. And walk in the peace of God that transcends all understanding. That's good preaching, Pastor Caleb. Thank you. I appreciate it. We often carry the weight of the world and walk in this crazy anxiety because we really just don't pray. Let, let me reiterate, I'm not even necessarily saying, I, I kind of want to recategorize prayer because I think there are a lot of times that, that we will we'll pray five times a day for God to do something that we really, really want and that checks the box of prayer, right? And we're like, oh, I prayed today. <laughs> No, you didn't. He were like, God, give me a new job. Thanks. <laughs> and then lunch comes around and you're like, God, thank you for this food and thank you for this break. Please give me a new job. Amen. I go around. That's not it. That's not prayer. Jesus says it in the, the New Testament. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You spend time in God's presence. You pray the word of God over your life. You sit silent and listen for a minute. And watch what that'll do for your life. We struggle because we're not faithful with fundamentals. So tonight, ask yourself, how is your prayer life? Number two, how is your community? Whew. How is your community? In the academic world, they would call it spiritual formation. It's literally all that they're saying is like, when you, when you get saved, you start this process of growing into this whole human, this, this image of Christ. Now, when you get saved, there's this immediate righteousness that is imputed on you, and I won't get into all the, the weird theological terms. But when you get saved, you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You are transformed. You are saved. Praise God, right? And when God looks at you, he sees the sacrifice of his son. He sees righteous. He sees pure. He sees transformed. And then what happens is as you live daily with Jesus, you look more and more like him. Your appetite will change. You'll see people differently. You'll see yourself differently. You are being transformed. Your spiritual transformation, your spiritual formation is taking place. But bad friends can slow this process down and even stop it. Yeah, and the people that have been there done that, you know. If you are hanging around the wrong people, oh my goodness, 1 Corinthians 15, Apostle Paul says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. One more again. Bad company corrupts good character. And the context here is everything. Like I said, this is a church that hasn't existed very long in the city of Corinth. And Paul writes to them because even though they've not been a unit for very long, they're already changing their doctrine. 
Our faith, this gospel is that we believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for us, that he rose from the dead, that he is seated at the right hand of God and that he's coming back for us. Amen. What's happened is this city has already started to doubt whether or not the dead can be raised. And that's a, that's a problem. That's a big deal in the context of what Jesus has done for us. That, that's a healthy conversation to have. It's a pretty big part of the faith that we have. Now, if you're in the room, you're like, well, I kind of struggle with that sometimes. I'm not hating on you. That's not what I'm saying. Everybody's kind of like, wow, our faith is crazy, right? God is so good. He did it in a way that I wouldn't have done it. He knows what he's doing though. But for these guys, their church has just started and they're already shifting from the doctrine that it was founded on because of the people around them that are talking nonsense. And the apostle Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Paul's great. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Twofold. One, because there are people among you that don't, Jesus. And first, because you're believing the things they're teaching you other than what you've already experienced. The people that you are around will shape what you believe. Your relationships, right, wrong, or indifferent, relationship will adjust your theology for the good or for the bad. You have got to guard who you hang out with. You have got to guard who you hang out with. Back to the basics. Do you pray daily? And are you hanging around people that will encourage your spiritual growth or deter your spiritual growth? Thirdly, what are you feeding yourself? I've got a buddy that is uh, on staff at a church a few years ago. This church started, shout me down. Yes, God. <laughs> a few years ago, this church started writing and recording and releasing their, their own original worship tunes. And this guy, great sound engineer, so he kind of took it on himself to, to mix and produce this album. And for those of you that aren't music nerds, Mixing and producing are two different things. Yes, it is. To, to mix something is to take what's presented to you, the different instruments, the different sounds, and to make them sound good together. You change the EQs, you change the dynamics, you change the effects, you put them in the right places, you pan them the right way, you get the volumes the way you want so that it mixes well together. But to produce something, you've got to be able to hear what's not there yet. A good music producer will go, if we put the tambourine on the two and the four of this, it would be awesome. <laughs> what if we added more cowbell? <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. A good producer is listening to what's happening, but processing and hearing what isn't there yet. This guy stepped into this new season to mix and produce and everything for this album. And a couple weeks into recording, the Holy Spirit asked him, how important is your hearing? And he was like, well, it, it's a big deal. Like if I, if, obviously, like this would be kind of difficult if I couldn't hear. Like, the Holy Spirit, no, 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 no. How important is your hearing? It's like, well, how do you expect to hear the sound of heaven if you are blaring the noise of earth. 
he was like, all of a sudden I was processing, like, of course I'm not going to be able to go into this studio and produce something that sounds like God, what God wants it to sound like when I have listened to nonsense in my car all the way over here. What do you listen to? What do you listen to? What do you watch? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Have you ever heard the statement, the eye is the, the window of the soul? That's where it comes from. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Pause for a second. This was written a long time before TVs came along. If Jesus is looking at a group of people that don't have Snapchat, that don't have social media, and saying, how important is it for you to protect your eyes? How much more so should we hear it in 2022 when it's hard to walk with your eyes open and not see darkness? The eye is the lamp to the soul. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, what are you watching? Sorry, not sorry. I've heard the argument a thousand times. That movie doesn't impact me. Homie, you are so wrong. It does. It's messing with you more than you know. It's not just a little nudity. It is going to jack up the way you see yourself and the way you see life around you. If your eyes are taking in darkness, you will become darkness. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't write it. Pornography, it will mess you up in all kinds of ways. And I know from experience. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you speaking? We've got to guard our ears, guard our eyes, but guard your mouth. Proverbs 18, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. I just love the little tag there. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you love speaking death? And maybe you don't even know that you do. Do you gossip? Is there always a problem? Is there like always a problem? Like is everything you talk about, how desperately you need this and desperately you need that and you're so frustrated about everything that happened and everybody's a problem and everything is an issue. Are you toxic with your mouth? Because if you love that, you will eat its fruit. Or are you on the other end? Do you just, you happy all the time. Like you're trying to be optimistic. Now I'm not saying fake. I'm saying are you speaking optimism? Are you speaking life? Are you speaking the word of God? Are you speaking faith? Are you speaking intentional? Because you will eat its fruit. What are you watching? What are you listening to? And what are you speaking? And lastly on this, and then I'm going to move on. Sorry, not sorry. This is heavier than I meant for it to be. But it's okay. God's doing something. God's doing something. If um, It is so easy, man. It is so easy to end up in a place in life where it feels like everything is wrong and everything is darkness and you're just depressed all the time and you can't sleep and you have all this stuff going on. And listen, when you lay in bed at night and you're struggling and you pray, God, help me, God, help me. He hears that. He receives that. He will do that. 
but be intentional because how stupid would it be to pray for God to bring you light and continuously ingest darkness? The spirit and the flesh are right there at war. And it is crazy how often we're like, God, I'm just so anxious. I'm so anxious. I'm so anxious. Of course we are. Because we come in on a Thursday and we declare the name of Jesus and we go home and we watch porn. We go home and we mess around. We sleep around. We live in sin. We talk like we don't know Jesus. We listen to music like we don't know Jesus. Holiness isn't all that fun to preach. But it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. So don't let yourself be enslaved again by a yoke of slavery. There are times in life when walking in the freedom that God has called you to walk in looks like choosing holiness. And then realizing how much of the anxiety, how much of the stuff was caused by the darkness that you've been living in. Amen. Back to basics. How is your prayer life? How's your community? And what are you feeding yourself? Man, it, it seems so duh. Like if you looked at my sermon notes right now, you'd be like, well, Caleb, I've been a Christian for more than an hour. I know I should pray and like hang out with other Christians. <laughs> I'm in seven small groups. Like, <laughs> Even the basketball group I play with on Sunday afternoons, they love Jesus, right? Like it seems so simple. The basics are boring, but it'll save your life. Every good karate movie ever started with Mr. Miyagi waxing on and waxing off and painting the fence. And it seemed so stupid and so annoying until an attack came and they blocked the attack of the enemy without even realizing what they were doing because they had their basics in place. They had their fundamentals in place. How's your prayer life? How's your community? And what are you feeding yourself? You stand with me across the room. Tonight's a self-inventory night. <laughs> it's a moment of, uh, okay, God, how are we doing, right? How are we doing? So we get ready to go into the fall semester. Everything's kicking back in, whether you're in school or you've just, like me, you're an old person and you work now and that's just how life goes. Either way, we're going into the fall semester. As you settle going into life this fall, take a minute and take stock. God, how is my prayer life? Because there are times in life when you can just go, oh, I'm off just a little. <laughs> and get back in line. Because if you get back to practicing the basics now, we can celebrate together and have those testimonies that are, man, I did. I read the Bible every day this week. I prayed, like actually prayed every day this week. That seems like such a, a silly thing to have to really prioritize. But let's, let's run for those kind of stories. Let's run for those kind of practice the basics. Run your ball handling dribble drills. Run the basics. Amen? 
God, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for healthy correction. And <laughs> thank you that you started with me. That all week you've been asking me the same questions. Caleb, how's your prayer life? How's your community? What are you feeding yourself? What are you watching and listening to? And how is that going right now? God, thank you for a loving correction, for a guardrail to just say, boop, let's, let's come back over here and just let's skirt. Let's correct. Let's walk forward this semester and walk in abundance not internally conflicted, not walking in sin and playing with a line of sin that we don't want to mess around. God, I ask not out of just religion or legalism or junk. God, I ask that you will give us grace to pray, to guard who speaks into our life and to protect what we ingest. And God, right now I just speak favor and blessing over these incredible people and the families that they represent. God, you'll bless them in their coming and in their going. That physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, they would be blessed and favored as your children. Lord God, we thank you for your peace and we thank you for your grace.